0: Welcome to the State Historical Society of North Dakota's podcasts. What follows is part three of a 2004 interview with Dr. Stanley A. Ayler from the Paleo-Cultural Research Group regarding the findings of the scattered village investigations. In this episode, we step into the lab and examine some of the artifacts that were collected during these excavations. The Plains village people, Mandans, Hadassahs, the Rickers, had a highly developed uh, Bone tool industry, many many tools made from bone and a large number of them from bison bone and we can just examine some of the the different kinds of very specialized tools that we we see in bone uh, and we don 't see these in in all cultures cultures around the world uh, developed in this way, but this is a what 's called a flesher uh, it 's a hide working tool. Uh, this is the working edge here. Often when this was in use, uh, other parts of the articulated bison uh, leg bone, which is what this is, would be attached here and still in the sheath of hide and that would form the handle for this tool. Some parts up here and here and it would be used in a fashion like that. And it's used to remove extraneous tissue from the, probably the interior of a hide when it was rather fresh and one of the first steps in the, the hide working process. And Working hides was um, you a know, very, very important part of uh, the technology and material culture. Uh, hides were used for many different things and formed their, you know, for bison robes and teepee covers and so on. Even though the, the people in these villages lived in earth lodges, they were also mobile and had the ability to travel and move, and they probably used teepees when they were um, in a mobile mode outside the village, and so hides to cover the TV's would be quite important. Mm-hmm. A couple of examples of hide scrapers, and rather than made of bone, these are made of stone. A real simple tool to, to make, um, I mean, strike a flake off of a core, just a thick flake of chippable rock, chert, or in this case, petrified wood. This is an exotic chert. Uh, and then chip it into a somewhat triangular form and make a, a steep edge along one end uh, that's unifacial. You can see it's um, beveled just in one direction. So that's that's the working edge. Uh, very strong and very sharp. And this is another um, very very common hide-working tool we find in many sites. You know, from 10,000 years old up through the Plains Village peoples. To be useful, the stone scraper was not held in the hand. It's much too small to get leverage on. In just in your fingers, and so it had to be put in a handle. Uh, the handle might be wood or it might be bone or it might be antler, and I can show you an example of an antler handle. Um, this is is the one half of an antler handle. Uh, this would be l shaped the The l longer part of the L is missing here. It's broken off right here. Uh, this is elk antler made from a beam and a one of the branches of the elk antler. And the hide scraper is fitted right here into the end of it. And you see that one actually happens to fit quite well, just like it was made for this handle. Um, and you see only the bit of the scraper um, protrudes from the handle. It would be lashed into place right here with bindings. And, you know, the motion of use would be very much the same. The person would hold this handle maybe here and down on the long handle and and draw it towards them during use. And, uh, these stone bits were probably used in many of the different uh, later steps of working a hide, maybe thinning it, maybe taking the hair off. Uh, so, uh, just another very, very common but very important uh, tool in the Mandan-Hidatsa culture. A um, couple of examples of another, another very common tool in uh, Plains Village sites, and and also many other sites, uh, not just the villagers, but uh, these are bone awls, and these are made from the lower leg of a deer or an antelope, um, what we call a cannon bone or the metatarsal or metacarpal, technical terms. But the lower, very straight, strong uh, part of the, the leg of that, that either one of those animals. And these are carefully cut out of that long bone into little parallel-sided strips and then fashioned with a very sharp tip, and you can see how tremendously sharp-pointed these are. Um, This basically is is your everyday leather working tool used to uh, punch holes in leather and would be involved in uh, sewing pieces of leather together with uh, pieces of sinew or cordage. Um, Just a fundamental tool and be used also in making clothing, you know, from tanned leather and so on. So um, everyday tool, they receive heavy use, lots of polish on them from being in people's hands uh, hundreds of years ago. Uh, What I have here is another very common tool in Plains Village sites and Plains Village cultures. Uh, This is a scapula hoe and this tool is uh, the signal that these people are gardeners and uh, this is used to cultivate their gardens basically where they grew the corn and beans and so on and this is made from the 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 shoulder blade or the scapula of a bison. It could be an elk, but great majority of these are bison. Uh, this is not a very large bison. This might be a cow or a not fully mature bison. The, the scapulas get much larger than this. This particular one is medium-sized, but uh, here you can see the polish on the surface is from, from digging in the ground. You see this indention that's you know just worn away from digging. This one is about half used up or three-fourths used up, but still would be a functional tool. Um, It was made by breaking off a ridge here and breaking off a thick area here so that the the blade of the hole, especially out here, was very thin and uh, yet still strong but thin and you can easily get it in the ground. And it's lashed to a, a wooden handle up here uh, we have polished spots on here and little bevels and so on where the lashing and fitting into the handle took place and that was all very systematic how they put it in the handle. Um, these hose are we find few hole ones like this one, this would be still useful. And we find many, many, many pieces of them where they were they broke off and were resharpened and reused and so on. And we find the manufacturing debris, you know, from breaking off these parts here. This is a, an artifact made of stone, chipstone, uh, carefully flaked. It's made of knife river flint, and the, the flint was probably heat treated. It was annealed at a low temperature in a fire to make it flake better. Uh, this is, in technical terms, we call this a biface because it's flaked on both sides systematically. Uh, in just everyday terms, it's a knife. It's a saw, it's a it's a cutting tool, and this would be uh, somebody's everyday um, sawing implement to cut notches and things and help fracture uh, bones and, and wooden, wooden items and break them at the appropriate place and just basically maintain lots of other, other artifacts. And again, like the, the hide scrapers, this is not used, uh, held in the fingers, it was used in a handle. And the, the functional part of this is the long edge and I can uh, show you a handle this is uh, the kind of handle that would be used for, for the stone blade. This particular handle is possibly being fitted for a metal blade uh, that would be, the metal would be obtained at Scudder Village through the, the, the trade, you know, from other peoples, from Europe Europeans, basically. But we find handles also fitted for stone blades, and they would fit right there uh, into a slot and be used again in a, in a saw-like fashion. Uh, when an edge got became worn, it might be pulled out, turned around, the opposite edge could be used. Uh, both edges get worn. They would pressure flake this and sharpen it just by taking flakes off. And uh, while we're talking about tools, this is a pressure flaker. When came, the time came to sharpen a stone tool, this would be what was frequently used. And we find these in great abundance too. And this, this tool, this could still be in the handle, a knife blade, and you just turn it around, put your pressure flicker at the right point and give it a pulse of force and a chip comes off. And you do this systematically down the edge, turn it over, do it on this edge, and uh, you've, you've got a new, a new tool, just like new. So you get many uses out of a single one of these, these knife blades. Um, used many times and eventually exhausted and thrown away. This tiny little artifact is, a, is an arrow point. If it it's on the end of an arrow shaft. And, you know, this is a, a signal of the importance of, of uh, bison hunting, hunting generally, but largely directed towards bison, I think. In an excavation, we typically find hundreds of these, not all of them unbroken like this. Most are broken. We also find broken pieces of ones that were being made, and they're very delicate and easily broken in manufacture, but these are also made by pressure flaking, but probably with a more delicate pressure flaking tool, uh, and by someone who is very uh, adept at flint working or flint napping, as we call it. Um, so this is, a, this is a very, very common artifact, and again, a signal of the importance of, of hunting in the economy. This one is made of Knife River Flint. Uh, The stone knife blade that we saw is also made of Knife River Flint. Uh, This is a kind of root beer, brown, translucent rock, very high quality and very uh, heavily sought out. And this comes from, in part, from quarries, you know, 100 miles or so from a Scattered Village, uh, be one of the sources for that stone. Another artifact that is related to hunting technology, in all likelihood, is what we call a shaft straightener or a, a shaft wrench. Um, this is a simple tool made by drilling a hole of the appropriate size uh, through a rib. They're almost always made on ribs. And when you're, when you're making your arrow shaft, especially arrow shafts, they've got to be tremendously straight in order to fly in an accurate, true way. And so the, the piece of wood that's chosen for the shaft might have bends and twists in it, and you can heat the wood over a fire, or over a kettle with some boiling liquid, over steam, and then you put the shaft through this hole and twist it and uh, can take the kinks out of a piece of wood. So this is a, an indication of arrow uh, fabrication or making rod-like wooden shafts um, at the village again a common common tool. This artifact is what we call a grooved maul or a grooved hammer. It's made from a very carefully selected piece of stone. It's as, this is a quartzite, a very dense fine-grained rock that's very resilient and it's not going to crack when you use it as a hammer. Uh, but to make it functional, a rock this large, um, in this case they chose to put a handle on it and what, that's what this groove is around it. Is, uh, is a place where the handle fits. Uh, this groove is pecked into the stone with another hammer stone, a sharply pointed rock of uh, equally strong and dense and just many hours of tapping and pecking this area until you, the, the groove is created. So it's a, a long, tedious process to make one of these. The handle would simply be a strap, a split sapling, a uh, piece of flexible green wood um, split it, take one half of it, wrap it around, bring it together and tie those pieces together and you have the handle. Uh, this would be used for um, breaking bison bones. It would be one use. The, the bison bones were all systematically fractured and boiled to get the grease and the marrow uh, out of them. Uh, pounding uh, uh, berries and so forth, making pemmican. Um, you know, many anything that required crushing, uh, heavy-duty force applied with a hammer. And this would be this would be it, and maybe even driving stakes and doing things like that. But uh, breaking bison bones and producing pemmican, uh, one of their prepared uh, high-energy food items, was was a likely likely uh, use for that kind of tool. And they came in different sizes too. Uh, here's a small one. Uh, again, a quartzite carefully selected. This one not used so much. This is the hammer surface here and this is the hammer surface on this one. This one hasn't been used a great deal. It was manufactured and ready for use but not so heavily used. Uh, this artifact is has it gets its name from artifacts exactly like this that were still being used in the 1800s and even into the early 1900s. We call them a squash knife. That's what the Mandans, and Anodotsas, and Arikeras call this tool. Uh, it's made from the scapula, again, the shoulder blade of a bison, and fairly far down on the broad blade of that scapula is, is a, this thin area, and so they just cut out this rectangle, make a very sharp edge here by grinding that down and shape this, and it's held on this side and used on that side, and when uh, squash are harvested, uh, when they're ripe, they're easily cut with a, a bone edge like this, and so they'd be, it'd be used in this fashion, the squash laid on a, on a surface of some kind, and this used just to slice uh, strips of squash uh, to be dried and stored. We found several of these that scattered, uh, a few of them stored in storage pits and storage features. Well, that concludes this episode on the Scattered Village Investigations. An exhibit on Scattered Village is on display at the Public Library in Mandan. As always, for more information on the State Historical Society of North Dakota, visit us at www.nd.gov slash HIST. In the meantime, visit us at the North Dakota Heritage Center or one of the 56 state historic sites we manage. Thanks for listening.